Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Encounter Church. I want to give a quick invitation to those of you families uh, watching online. This is a great time to head on over to EncounterChurch.org. Get your kids set up on some of the content that we have over there made exclusively just for your kids with them in mind from our leaders here. You can find that again on the website. You can just scroll through by the age range. You can press pause on this message, get them going on their content, and then come on back so we can all keep on learning and growing together. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Your Future Self Will Thank You. And the idea behind this series, as we just saw, is it's a, it's a God's will kind of series. It's trying to like figure out what God has in store for my life, what God has in store for your life as well. I think as a pastor, this is probably one of the questions that I'm asked. No, I know that this is the question that I'm asked about more than any other question. It's something that has to do with asking God, what do you want from me? Do I take the job here or do I go back to, uh, go back to school, do grad school? Do I move across town, across state, across the country, or even the world, or just stay planted right here? What do you want from me? How am I supposed to do life? With whom am I supposed to be doing life? And now COVID happened, right? And and we're constantly making these huge decisions all the time. Decisions that really weren't weighty big decisions a year ago are huge now. For the first time now, we're making these weighty decisions around what to do for Thanksgiving time. And it's just, God, what in the world do you want from me? And sometimes we like throw up our hands and we say, listen, there's no way that we can possibly know or or we're afraid of maybe stepping outside of God's will and we're going to be under some kind of a a curse as a result of that, you know, and we're kind of superstitious about this whole thing. And so what I'm going to do this morning is to say that God actually, God actually, number one, has a plan a specific plan and a purpose for your life. And the next premise that we're building off from this morning is that God actually wants you to know what that plan and purpose is even more than you do. He gave us a number of different ways, different passages, different stories in the Bible geared entirely at that specific purpose to let you know what your purpose, what his plan is your life. But first, somebody once said, and I just, I love this so much, I wanted to share it with you, is that your life, my life, is little more than the sum total of the decisions that we make. I mean, if you think about it, chances are the people that you're sitting with right now, maybe on the couch or maybe on a chair in the room today, uh, the people that you came here with, or or maybe the people that you're going to go to later on, is a result of a decision that you had made previously. You decided to go to that school or you decided to apply at that job. And then as a result, you started meeting people. You started hanging out with people. Maybe you met that one person, right? And as a result, your life is so shaped and so entirely formed by some of the decisions that you made. Bethany came out to do our next steps earlier. And she said, honestly, and I didn't even put her up to this. She said, "Um, my friend group, even my husband, is a result of one decision that I made a long time ago. She said, I decided to come to this particular church, and then I decided to get involved. And now so much of her whole life is a result of that one decision to make. And so what this series is about is saying, what if there's a way that we could make better decisions? Wouldn't your future self, benefiting from all of those better decisions, look back at the you right now and say, thank you. 
And this is what we're going to do. So we're going to open up the Bible. We're going to go to the book of Proverbs, this wisdom literature kind of book, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And let me read it for you now. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says that trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You see, that's so interesting to to hear the the paths straight kind of language to come out because chances are this passage was written by a by a collector of wise sayings, and he kind of put them into bite-sized formats so that he could probably give them to his sons and daughters and everybody who would come after him. He collected truth wherever it could be found and said, here, listen, I found this to be honorable and to be true. And now it got, it got uh, framed in our Bibles today. Now, it's important to note, too, that he is writing in a culture that is one of the most dangerous places and dangerous times in human history. And so when he writes about like traveling, for example, walking down the road, one of the things that would strike fear into the hearts of any traveler is to get out onto the road and to see that there's these twists and turns that you, that you can't see what's around any one of the corners. In a time when people would travel and there's a pretty rough banking system at work, and so people had to carry the entire amount of money that they were going to need for the journey on their person. There were thieves, there's bandits, there are people seeking you harm, lurking around every corner. The thing, that would, the thing that would provide so much assurance and peace in the heart of a traveler is to get onto the open road and to be able to look down and to see that it's straight and it's clear and it's obvious at every turn. It's written in a time where there's no GPS and there's few maps available to the regular person. They got to a road that diverges in either directions and they have to just choose one. And it could be, it could be hours, it could be days before they find out if that road was even the right path to take. And what could be more comforting and, and peace assuring in a time of a traveler is to, is to have somebody say, listen, he's going to make these paths. Every road that you walk down, it's going to be straight. It's going to be clear. It's going to be obvious. It's going to be intuitive. You'll just No, I mean, that sounds good to us today, especially as it relates to like God's will. You know, one of the things that's murky about God's will, confusing about God's will, is that we look at God's will overall and we say, okay, I know God is big. I know he's strong. I know God is is all powerful. I also know that God is good. I believe that he is. So if he's all powerful and he's all good, why do all kinds of bad things happen in the world? I just don't get it. Where's God's will in that? Or, or said it like another way, another time, is that we sometimes, we sometimes read these words of Jesus and we see that, that God cares so deeply about the details in your life and mine. That God cares so much that not a hair could fall from your head without the will and the consent of your Father in heaven. He's a God that meticulously dabbles in the details of life, yet so much of life, huge questions of life just seem radically open to us. God, where's your will in that when I could just do whatever I want to do, yet somehow you know it all? So I'd like to get into that this morning because there's actually going to be quite a bit of, of clarity that I think 
God is going to provide for us this morning. Um, if you're a note-taking kind of person, this is a great time to pull up that app uh, or get out a pencil. If you're not a note-taking kind of person, this is a great time to become one. Uh, we say around here sometimes that a dull pencil beats a sharp mind in remembering the truths that God tells you. And so I want to give you three ways, I guess, three understandings of God's will to help us kind of make the decision, maybe even that decision that you have to make today. The first one is God's sovereign will. Technically, the sovereign will of God is defined by the will of God that brings to pass whatsoever he decrees. In other words, the sovereign will of God is just simply what happens. Is everything that happens happened because it's God's sovereign will. You can pick up a history book. You can remember a story. All of that that happened was God's sovereign will. There's other areas that we understand the sovereign will of God, too, that, that's going to be very, very helpful. The sovereign will of God is found in the Bible, all throughout the Bible. There's a story of God and how he relates to his people, all accounting his sovereign will as it came to pass, as it, as it happens. That's God's sovereign will. And it's really important to understand that God's sovereign will in the past, but also on into the future. So it's God's sovereign will that he would create creation, he would make it all, and then all of creation would go bad, sin would be introduced into the creation, and then from that point on, all of creation would, would play like, a, like, a, like an instrument out of tune. It's just, it's off somehow until Jesus comes, and little by little, he starts putting everything wrong, made right again. And he starts putting the world back together. He starts reclaiming and redeeming the world one piece at a time. And so one day, the Bible teaches us, God teaches us, that it is his sovereign will that Jesus comes back from heaven to earth a second time. And he establishes this rule and reign so that finally and fully, everything sad has come untrue. Everything evil was made right. That is also God's sovereign will. I'm just highlighting some of these things. Stories in the Bible of Moses and the burning bush, God relating to him and saying, you're going to be the one to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses looked at God and said, no, 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 you, you got the wrong guy. Pick somebody else. And God said, okay, I'll go with somebody else then. No, that's not how that story goes. It's the sovereign will of God that Moses was the person that's going to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land. It's the sovereign will of God that David, this little shepherd boy would grow up to become the greatest king that ancient Israel ever had. It's God's sovereign will that a young lady named Mary in the Middle East, in Bethlehem that day, would give birth to the Savior of the world. It is God's sovereign will. What I'm saying is, you can read the stories and you start to understand you start, to, you start to get the how and the why of God's movement in the past. And because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, how God acted, the how and why of God acting 2,000 years ago teaches us something about what God is up to, not just in the past, but in the present. The sovereign will of God is important to study over and to pour throughout because what he has done then matters now. Understanding the how and why in the past teaches us to recognize the presence of God in the present. 
It's a sovereign will of God. There's more, though. It's not just the stories of the Bible that is will of God. We also have another will of God. It's God's moral will. A sovereign will of God is one. Moral will of God is two. The moral will of God is like the, it's like the thou shalt and the thou shalt not. It's like those times when God said, listen, just stay away from this. Don't, don't participate in that. Don't do that. Do this instead or do this other thing. The moral will of God is God revealing his heart for each one of us, whether we follow it or not, is another choice. But the moral will of God is any time that we don't need to ask God what his take is on something. We don't need to ask God what his opinion is on a matter because he already spoke in black or white or possibly red letters. We know because he told us he made it as clear as he possibly could. It's his moral will. And I think that this area covers such a huge subset of human behavior and choices that we only think it's limited to just this narrow scope. But I think what God has in store for it is something much, much broader. So for example, she gets a call from her boyfriend and says, honey, I've been thinking. You know, I've been thinking that we live a little ways apart and it just, it takes so much time from from coming to my place to yours, or I've been thinking that there's a lot of gas money that's, but you know, I've been thinking that why would we spend all of this like rent money and utilities and food and all this other stuff as individuals when, well, honey, you don't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first, right? You don't buy a car without at least taking it for a test drive. So, of course, I mean, we should just test drive this thing out. Maybe I've been thinking that we should move in together and we should, like, test this, test life out together as opposed to separately. Let's give that a shot. Listen, I'm telling you, church, you don't need, you don't need to, like, go to God and, like, ask, well, I don't know, what is your will for me in this situation? What's your sovereign will? And I'm trying to find a story where this is brought up. No, no, you don't need to ask God what his sovereign will is in that story because he already told you. Like 1 Corinthians 6, he said, flee, flee from sexual immorality. Just get out of there. You want no part of it. It is, my God, moral will that you wouldn't be caught up into that situation. There's so many other areas of life. And I'm thinking about somebody who's applying for a job and it's like, man, it's tough. I meant to learn some of those project management systems. I meant to figure out how Asana works or how Trello or Microsoft Excel, you know, I've, I meant to like figure that out. So I'm pretty sure I could figure it out. Give me a few YouTube videos. I could, so I'm just gonna list it as like skills because they could be skills a little bit later on, right? But you don't need to ask God whether or not that's his will that you would do that. He already spoke. In fact, he carved it onto a stone tablet. And the ninth commandment is that you will not bear false witness. Don't lie. He already spoke. We're heading towards the end of the year, and there's this massive temptation to, like, stash a little money off on this side and maybe to inflate some things over here or to minimize some things over here so that come April 15th, we get to keep a little bit more money. After all, isn't the money better kept in my pocket than the, governor, the government's? I mean, isn't, isn't it true that if I have a little bit more money, God, then, then I, could, I could share a little bit more broadly with kingdom causes that are out there? So maybe I'll just hide a few things. And God, no, no, no. You don't need to ask God whether or not 
you should not pay your taxes. God already spoke in Romans 13 is that you're subject to the governing authorities. It's just what he already spoke in black and white and sometimes red. It's right there. That's his, that's his, the moral will of God. It's this huge subset of human behaviors that you don't even have to ask. It's like automatic. We get the sovereign will of God over here. We get the moral will of God over here. And then in the middle, we've got the personal will. And if you're still tracking with me, the personal will of God, if you're still tracking with this thing, this is, this is where the tough decisions are made. Or either decision that's not outside of God's moral will, there's not maybe a story of God in the Bible that can kind of clarify what his sovereign will is all about it. A personal will of God is those big questions that you just wrestle with again and again that don't seem like they have very clear answers. The, the personal will of God is things like, hey, listen, should I go to school again or should I not? Should I move? Should I stay? Should I buy this truck or should I buy that car? Should I have kids? Where should those kids go to school? That was a big one for me. My daughter was, my daughter did three years at three different schools the, the, first, uh, the first beginning of her, uh, her academic career. It's hard. It's really difficult to figure this sort of stuff out. I talked to everybody and I couldn't get clarity. I still don't have clarity on so many things. This is the personal will of God where these decisions are made. It's remarkably difficult. And they think, okay, God, this is the kind of thing, maybe you just don't care about it. Maybe you just didn't provide any clarity, provide any solutions to help me figure it out. Remember though, remember our foundation, remember our premise. That God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. And that number two, God wants you to know what that plan and purpose is, maybe even more than you do. Which is why he gave us his sovereign and his moral will. It's, it's kind of like this. One of the most ancient construction tools that has been used it's called a plumb line. A, a plumb, not related to the fruit, for those of you who are not so technically uh, inclined. A plumb comes from the Latin word, a plumbum. It means weight, a lead. You just tie a piece of lead, a big weight, down at the end of the string, and boom, you've got a straight vertical line every time. It's the simplest tool, I think, that's been used from ancient times up through today. This tool was used from everything from the ancient, impressive architectural wonders of the old world, all the way up through builders framing a house today, painters painting the inside of a house today. Anytime you need a straight vertical line, the plumb line is your go-to. It's a weight tied to the end of a string. This does not build your house. This does not put up the walls to a factory. This will not paint your walls, but it'll give you insight. But it'll help you know what's coming. It'll give you a framework for staying within or stepping outside of. I think that's so important as we talk about the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God. Suddenly, we've got plumb lines directing us, not just telling you exactly what to do at every turn, but listen, something happens. 
as you start to pour over that sovereign will of God, the story of God in the Bible, and as you start to understand and become obedient to the moral will of God, something happens with that middle, with that personal will. It's like those decisions start to get easier. If you're looking for like one sentence for this whole morning that I hope that you come away with is that the more familiar you are with the sovereign will of God and the more obedient you are to the moral will of God, the easier decisions are related to the personal will of God. And I can't always explain like how this whole thing happens, but listen, I'm telling you, the sovereign will, the moral will, the person, it is. It makes it easier. So a couple of years ago, a uh, young woman uh, asked for a, a sit down. She's got some questions. She's trying to roll through. I kind of know what it's about already. What does God want from me? Big picture of life, right? And there's just, there's layers and layers and layers of asking God, what does he want from me? I don't know. There's family stuff there. There's school stuff, potential job, moving, geography. And one of the questions that she had was about this fellow she's dating. And the question was like, I don't know, should I stay with him or, or not? You know, and I ask a few questions along the way, listening best I can, try to pay attention. And there's some things that she's sharing that are maybe, they're not yellow or they're not red flags, but they're like yellow flags. Right? I'm just kind of making note of that, but it's not, it's not a don't go there kind of thing. You know, she uh, keeps on talking, and I keep on asking some questions, and then she wraps it up, and she says, okay, now that you know probably as best as you possibly can in the little time that we've had together, what do you think? Should I stay with him or should I go? I said, well, um, because of X, Y, and Z, uh, I don't know for 100% certain, but it sounds like the relationship has probably run its course. It's probably time to go. You'd be better off doing life separately than together. And she looks back at me and she said something I'm not going to forget because it was so profound to say to a pastor. She said, nope, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Thanks for the input. Thanks for the time. Take it easy. All right. Several months after that, I get an email, kind of an update situation. Hey, thanks for taking the time to chat. I just thought you'd be curious, and it was. Uh, what has happened as a result of a lot of this? Uh, you know, this is kind of where I am. This is, I'm going back to school now and you know, out of state. And I just thought that you'd, you'd like to know that I broke up with them. We're done. I was just curious. How did you see it before I did? And I can't so much explain it other than to say when you spend enough time familiarizing yourself with the story of God and his sovereign will, you start to see the how and the why of God in the past. You're able to, to kind of recognize his movements now in the present. And I can't really explain it all too much on the moral will, except for some of those, some of those yellow flags started looking a lot more orangish to me. And, and maybe even red. I was, I was thinking about if it was my own daughter and I was giving her some wisdom. And the only way I can really explain it is that the more familiar you are with God's sovereign will, the more obedient you start to become in God's moral will, the easier these personal will decisions start to become. 
And so I want to come back. I want to come back to that Proverbs passage. There's more wisdom for us there. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 again. Trust in the Lord in, in two particular ways. And this is a God's encouragement for you today. Trust in the Lord with these two ways. With number one, all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then verse 6, in all your ways. With all your heart and in all your ways. The word is submit to him and he will make your paths straight. With all your heart and all your ways, as I learned this passage as a kid growing up in the version of the Bible that I had, it was acknowledge. And I just think that's a huge missed opportunity for us. In all your ways, just acknowledge him and he'll follow through. He'll make your paths straight. There's more than that. I think as biblical authors kind of reviewed the words and as they're using, acknowledge wasn't a strong enough word because what God is asking from us with all our hearts in all our ways, don't just pay him lip service. Don't just do an obligatory prayer once or twice. Don't just talk to a spiritual mentor once or twice and call it good. Get my God stamp of approval on that and move ahead on my own understanding. Don't do that. He's asking for more than just an acknowledgement. He's asking for your and my full-on submission in all your ways, with all your heart. Take it before him and lay it before him and say, God, it's yours. Whatever you want from me, the answer is yes, even before I know what the question is. Take it. And as I hand over all my heart and all my ways, I trust in you, not my own understanding, and you'll make my paths straight while this all happens together. You know who's really good at leaning not on their own understanding? Broken people. Man, you talk to broken people, they're, they're great at not putting too much trust in themselves. You talk to people who just hit rock bottom. You talk to people in AA or NA or SA, any of the A, any of the anonymouses, you talk to people that are just at rock bottom, whether it's alcohol that brought them there, substance abuse that brought them there, or a financial decision that just wrecked them. You talk to anybody at the bottom of that pit, and you say, are you tempted to trust your own understanding? Say, my own understanding got me into this valley. It's certainly not gonna get me out. The people who have the easiest time saying yes to God even before I know what the question is. The people who have the easiest time to say to God, with all my heart and all my ways, I submit to you and I'm looking to you for straight paths are broken people. And so if you've got this pressing question before God that doesn't easily fall into the sovereign will or moral will kind of category if you're like well I need to know today where do I start I would start there start with this recognition of each of our unique brokenness before God that there was a reason that God allowed himself to be nailed and hung up on a cross to die it was our brokenness that left him there and kept him there. It was his forgiveness that he was showing each one of us through that incredible act of selfless love.
you want to know the will of God in your life, start with an acknowledgement. Jesus, you have my whole heart. You have all my ways. I'm leaning not on my brokenness any longer. It's yours. Make my paths straight. And so, God, each one of us, we've got a question that is burning on our hearts. Maybe it's something to do about today or a decision that we're going to have to make tomorrow. Showing up at the job site or at the office, in the classroom. God, we have questions about what to do and how to act, how to conduct ourselves and in times of a global pandemic. And we're weighed down with the many, many decisions that each of us have to make. God, bring us clarity. Drive us to your words that we're more familiar with your sovereign will, God. Give us the courage to choose your moral will. And God, provide us clarity for these in-between times give us your vision. Jesus, it's in your resurrected name we pray. Amen.